is podcast time. Welcome to the uh, Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, full name, Brian Christofferson, full Thanks. name. Thank you. Any thoughts? No, I'm trying to get this collar off uh, one of the dogs here. Uh, you, you can't mention the dogs on the podcast. Sorry. So We were just talking, when you were out of the room, Brunts, <laughs> Schaefer and I were talking about how if you do you ever feel like less of a man than if you're a part of a golf scramble and you par a hole, like walking away from the hole? Yeah, I mean, you're just basically <laughs> on like a four-hour walk. I mean, there, there's – it sucks. Yeah, well, the context to all of this is that I was on a team that parred five straight holes in a scramble. We finished eight under, which isn't terrible, but it's not uh, particularly good. You're playing for, like, the third flight trophy. Yeah, would you win, like, a sleeve we, of pinnacles? <laughs> we were second or third in the second flight. So, But it just it, – it's horrible. Like, you get two pars in a row, you basically feel like you're already done. Like, what's the point of even finishing these holes? By the fifth one, it's you assume that somehow the golf gods have just lined up against you. And that there's no opportunity to turn this thing around at all, and it's over. Yeah. And it, if, it was a terrible feeling. And if you get a par on a par five in a scramble, everybody should quit. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> there were threes and fours. I, were, I often feel no that fives. way, too, if you're like having a hit out of a sand trap. Like yep. at any point oh, during a, a scramble. You're like, I just think I remember a couple of years ago playing in a scramble, having to hit like, like it was on a par five like fourth shot situation was it the furthest ball down there yeah and it was like what the hell are we doing here um it's like that seinfeld's like what are we doing yeah exactly (laughs) have you guys ever been the best player in your scramble group yeah that's bad news too (laughs) if that's the case i've had it once and it wasn't like a fun day (laughs) no you were you were a celebrity in a nebraska basketball scramble right i was some pseudo celebrity, I guess, but uh, yeah, no, it was twice that happened. Once, once it was a little bit different uh, because it was just a normal a group that I, I happened to know the people playing, and I got attached to them. And then the other was it was myself and <laughs> and Lee from the World Herald playing with Eric Strickland, Bernard Garner, and one other former Nebraska basketball player. Eric Strickland, maybe the best golfer that I've ever played with. I, I like the really, yeah. He's incredible. Like he, he has this athletic aptitude that I have never seen from anybody else. In which he could, either he or Lee or myself would point where like we thought the putt needed to be, and he could just knock it down. Wow. He hit two eagle putts of over thirty feet in the same scramble, and was totally unfazed by doing it. He's one of the best athletes he's that the state has ever had. Yeah, I mean, he was I'm bombing the driver. Like, I mean, we yeah. used his drive every time. His approach shots weren't as good, but you basically used him off the drive and on the green. He, he was a really, really good player. I'm convinced that guy could have been, like, a defensive back and been very good, too, like, at, at a big-time school. I heard his – who was it? Someone was saying his best sport was baseball. Maybe oh, yeah, he was, he was great that. at baseball. He, the Marlins it, drafted him, yeah. I think. Because I think he and Lee were even talking about like how he was drafted to play baseball and he ended up playing basketball and that he thinks that maybe if he would have stuck with baseball, that might have been his best sport out of the group. Going back to your, your other appearance, I'm imagining like your buddies going to paying a lot of money to play in this scramble and showing up on the first tee, and they're like, okay, and your celebrity here is Mike Schaefer. And they're just like, wah, wah, damn it. Wah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, oh, we're paired with this guy we already know. We already know he's no good at golf. Oh, this is great. This is what everybody wants. Uh, anyways, there's a uh, – there's been – We're done with scramble talk? No, you, you can not have talking. any more scramble stories? I, no. I, I don't. When's the last time you played in one? It's been a while. I feel like you probably don't like the scramble game. I don't mind scramble because somebody might have a Bluetooth speaker and it could throw your whole day off. I generally don't enjoy fun on the golf course, <laughs> um, as, as a rule. Brunt is a lone wolf. I've kind of figured that out. I'm, I'm anti, generally Teams, anti friendships, <laughs> interaction, conversations. Yes, conversations, and especially Bluetooth speakers on golf courses. Well, that's good to know. Although I played in a tournament earlier this summer where the guy I was playing with had a Bluetooth speaker and it did not bother me one bit when I started playing really crappy on the back nine. And it was like the week after you had declared this on the show, I think was the timing of it. Maybe. Yeah. 
even better. Yeah. No, I. Uh, it, it was like karma was. Golf cart karma was striking me down. What would be the worst music to be playing on a Bluetooth speaker there if was you're trying a, to hit out of a sand trap in this tournament? No, there was a. I, I almost went Judge Smales on a guy in that tournament because we were like backed up like crazy on this par three. Guy comes rolling up in his golf cart in the group behind us, just blaring the song "Redneck Woman," and <laughs> I kind of like I, I did like turned around and kind of did the stare at him, and like he didn't didn't gather that i was pissed off but it was maybe like, you're not imposing enough maybe i i was i, I almost did the there, there's no bluetooth speakers at bushwood country club sir and i never slice never slice <laughs> what about you when's your last scramble uh would have been about two years ago so Man, you guys don't yeah. play enough scrambles they, you got to dedicate your whole day to it. It's sort of like going to a football game now. It's, it feels like you, this is my Saturday. I'm I'm allowing you to take my entire it's, uh, Saturday. It's a very old man take over there. Well, I'm getting up there. <laughs> He's got to get home to <laughs> mow the lawn. This is true. This is true. So there was a mention of football there yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, Eric Strickland could have played football. Yes. <laughs> Two mentions of football. All yeah. right. Well, we'll jump into the Nebraska talk that you've all been waiting for. In uh, what week three, week four of fall camp, the final three week and of a half, camp, something. Yeah, we're, we're in the middle. It's almost over. You guys have seven favorite moments from fall camp. Seven. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very specific number. Well, you can use Saved by the Bell gifs to. Uh, I would to highlight it. I would like us to start doing that instead of like five or ten. Start just picking random things to mess with people. Like the thirteen know, best quotes from 14, Scott Frost yeah. over the last two weeks. Yeah. You don't even use two weeks. Over the last nine days. Yeah, or like celebrate, like, you know, next, let's see. I guess you could do it this year for the 97 team. You could do a 21st anniversary story on the 97 national championship team. You're just calling them, hey, do you know it's the 21st? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah? Okay. See, I like that. Anyway. All right, so fall camp. Troy Walters spoke today. We we heard from Eric Shenander and the defensive coaches on Monday of this week. Anything specifically coming out of Monday or Wednesday from the coaches that caught your attention as it relates to camp? There's been a ton of personnel news, but I don't think none of the guys were, other than maybe Will Jackson, were expected to do a whole lot this year. And based on conversations the past couple of weeks, I don't know that Will Jackson right. is really expected to do all so that I think either. The, I, like the personnel news is news, but I just I think it's ancillary to anything else that you would have heard. Here, here's a here's a theory I have that I was cooking up on the drive over here about Will Jackson. So I like to think that you drive around town cooking up theories about football players to tell us on the podcast. I do. <laughs> um, speaking of which, that tweet that I got last night, we have to talk to you about the, the breakfast runs later. But, oh, um, yeah. So Will Jackson's brought in in June from the junior college ranks, kind of out of, out of nowhere, just commits sight unseen, shows up, looks like a dude. I mean, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. Um Never plays in a game, leaves. Obviously, wasn't um, you know going to be a factor too much in the depth chart, even though they have issues there. But I th- I would argue that Will Jackson, in those two months that he spent on campus, was extremely valuable for that room, if for no other reason that it kind of was like the fire that he he was like the personified fire that was lit under that that group because we've the secondary is now thriving. We're told. They're, you know, playing better. They're not the area of concern that they were before. And I think a lot of it goes back to bringing in a guy like that in June where it kind of raises the sense of urgency, gets the guys on the roster already a little bit cheesed up, dialed in. I mean, Trey Neal, I think, is going to do that as well. He's Mm going to play, though. But, I mean, I think, you know, everybody's going to say, well, they're – you know, so what? He never played, but I, I think that from a motivational standpoint, maybe an improvement standpoint, that Will Jackson was pretty valuable. Will Jack, if this thing whole thing turns around and they're like, <laughs> they the got thirteen and zero, it's all Will Jackson. Like you should, we should do a big thing on Will Jackson and how he was the fire starter. Just a day by day account of what his two months were like. In yeah, Lincoln. like a five thousand word oral history of Will Jackson's time in Nebraska. Did you ever have a conversation (laughs) with Cam Taylor where you felt like maybe 
he got more motivated by talking to you? That kind of thing? Is that what we're looking at in this story? Where we'll, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that could work. All right. Well, that's good. We'll we'll plan that for January, put it on the imaginary it's budget. It's not a bad take though. I, no, I I hadn't considered it at all. It's some deep level stuff. Yeah. Where were you driving in town when this this yeah. I, mean, I was from practice over here. I was driving right in front of you. Vine Street Thoughts, huh? Yeah, Vine Street Thoughts. That could be an alternative name to the podcast. I like that. I was parked at Jim Mager Golf Course because <laughs> I kind of went the wrong way. We, we were. Play. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was. I was thinking your house. I, I, do you ever do that? Yeah, you used to live over. By you there. start driving a certain way because you think that's the fastest route, and then you realize that you like went three miles out of the way. That's what I just did. Sometimes I leave my house <laughs> thinking I'm going one place, but my intuition of driving takes me somewhere else. Yeah. Like I, I, you just go into autopilot and you're trying to go to the grocery store, but you end up at the gym kind of thing. Like that's, I mean, I've had that happen. Yeah. But I, <laughs> Jim Aker is. Well, I was, I was parked there. Where did you notice that it was wrong? Yeah, a little before that. But then I was just like looking for a spot to pull over because that we'll get to football with this. Yeah. Um, Avery Roberts, we got to confirm that he's not in the program. So I was like, okay, I got to do my job here and park, you know, while these guys are getting out for their round of golf at Ager. So guys are getting out. There's a couple cars. It was a nice day out there. There's about three or four groups looking like they're going off. But Avery Roberts no longer with the program. And he was one of the bigger gets of the 2017 class. I don't know where I had him on my Super 6, but probably pretty high. I had him very high yeah, on the Super 6, I think second. Maybe third. Out of Delaware, too, which was kind of like that cool, like Nebraska got a guy out of Delaware. Yeah. It, I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall for him. I mean, when, when you move Colin Miller over from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. Yeah, at that point. It, it was a kind of a done deal then. I always felt like in the spring that they were trying to motivate him uh, with the way that, that Rude was so frank and sort of his discussion about how Avery Roberts wasn't where he needed to be. I didn't think it was going to end the way that this went uh, until you kind of hear about Colin Miller and the the rumblings of of Avery Roberts and potentially leaving came up, which would have been, what, Monday, Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, Staff's department found that Avery Roberts was third on uh, my Super 6, second on Schaefer's, and third on BC's. Yeah. See? The you know a fun story someday will be just going through the super six misses. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of them. I uh, I really hope that DeAndre Thomas hits because that was number one on my list. Also number one on mine. Yeah. Uh, and your sleeper was Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, so that, that's the 2017 <laughs> list is not that's uh, out out cold. I, I still feel good about hitting on Brandon Hymas though. There's like four people that had him listed, and I was one of them. Yeah, you'll hit on him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stake. I'm looking my at the linebackers that. in that class of 2017. It's and just Andrew Ward gone. Ju- it's just Guy Thomas. <laughs> Was there somebody else? Willie, Ooh, Hamp- frankly, Willie I mean, Hampton gone. Guy Thomas hasn't been talked about all of fall camp. When last year there was people thinking that he was going to play as a true freshman. Yeah. So that just shows you. The thing is, I all those guys on paper, I like them kind of. You know, like that that looked like a good crew coming in. Avery Roberts was a very good linebacker in high school. Like I, I don't think that that was a a poor evaluation of. I don't think he was overrated by any means. Like no. I, I think he has played backed backed up the rating that he had. But sometimes I, I, I think the last staff didn't do him a lot of favors by playing him last year. Yeah, well, and I don't know if a 3-4 does him a lot of favors either. I mean, he kind of looked to be more of a 4-3 outside linebacker rather than a 3-4 inside linebacker. I mean, there might be something to that. Uh, you're right. I mean, he had a wasted freshman year and then maybe wavering motivation during a very pivotal spring period and ultimately ends up not on the team. I wonder – I wonder if this is a different storyline if he's a redshirt freshman right now. Like, if he looks at it differently or, or not, if that changes anything. Or or if it all combines – you'd have to talk to him. I mean, if it combines together, like, I, just as a bad Nebraska experience that he, you know, had his redshirt burned for special teams duty last year. 
four tackles, and then this offseason. Yep. And he was another early enrollee, which I continue to think is sort of a double-edged sword. I feel like those guys are more likely to leave the program earlier than the ones that come in in the fall. I do remember, in, in kind of fairness to the last staff, his high school coach, I did a big story on Avery Roberts before he got here, and him, his high school coach was a great guy, but he was kind of stressing, like, I hope he can get going right away as a true freshman. There was, like, in their camp, there was kind of that hope that he would could get on the field somehow. And so it's easy from the outside sometimes to look and say, why did they play that guy? Well, we don't know all the conversations behind closed doors with family and friends. Maybe some of those people were pushing for him to get on the field a year ago. I, you can't say for sure, but so you always got to consider that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be curious if he goes the junior college route or if he transfers back to the Delaware area, play FCS over there, uh, what he ultimately decides to do. Wasn't the only departure of this week even. Uh, I guess we're into it. We might as well just continue on. Jalen Barnett uh, goes on to a medical scholarship, leaving his football career behind. Offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Uh, no career starts. I don't know if he made it into a game. He did, um, according to his bio at least. I don't remember it seeing it, but I think they have him down for 11 you have to confirm it, but eleven. Was he like the field goal? Team yeah, I think he, oh, he came out for special teams. But tricky, as, tricky field goal. But as far as like down to down play, no. Yeah, so uh, he's a guy that there was a lot of excitement about when Nebraska started recruiting him in December of 2014, uh, and just never. I mean, he came to campus pretty big, just couldn't seem to be at the right um, appearance, I guess. There was rumors of him coming on strong in November of 2017, and then the new staff took over, and he wasn't a fit for the offensive line and how they wanted to do things there. And It's uh, unfortunate for him. And, and really, to be honest, his situation a little bit different because we're talking about concussions basically ended his career versus choosing to leave the football program to go somewhere else to pursue this sport. I think he'd, he'd really kind of re, reshaped his body quite a bit this offseason, too. He looked um, better. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it'll be interesting after, you know, going into next year because you, you lose Foster and Farmer as your two starting guards. Uh, you've got Bo Wilson there. Barnett's gone. Uh, you know, John Raritan, I mean, he hasn't really emerged yet. Uh, Bo Wilson hasn't emerged yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be – not for this year, but next year, I think that'll it'll be interesting to see who they kind of figure out at, at the guard spots. Yeah, they've uh, well, especially if Bland ends up playing center, right? So they've they've got to go out and get another interior offensive lineman in the class. Uh, it'll be curious to see if Matt Farniok stays at tackle for the duration of his career, or if he slides inside. But that offensive line is is one of those units that probably. It gets talked about a lot, but it's it's so much tackle, tackle, tackle. Well, now they're going to have questions in the interior for once, and so that's going to make things a little bit interesting kind of future seasons going forward. All right. All the personnel news, anything else? No, let's talk about the guys who are here. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what do we what do we want to get into? I I'll start with this. It feels like each media session there's a new freshman's name popping up. Whether it was Braxton Clark the other day, yep. uh, today Miles Jones came up from Ryan Held uh, as someone who's had a really, really good week and has come on strong and now Held expects to be involved uh, this year. And so those two, I mean, Lagrone has come up a couple times. Uh, obviously Washington very early on in camp. You get the sense that more and more freshmen are going to be right on that bubble or – just straight up playing in in 2018 with the way that things have kind of shook out. Um, well, I mean, even Andre Hunt's the guy. Yeah, that yeah. Came up today too. Um, so yeah, I even forgot about him. I think that there's probably going to be. I need to go through the list. I think I, in one of our chats, I think I'd said that 11 newcomers would play this year. And over the over the limit, um, I think that's probably still a good number. And that counts the junior college guys. Yeah. It so does. as freshmen, that's only five. Yeah, I mean it's 
And if you're counting Trey Neal. Right, and that's that's probably low, I guess, because I wasn't factoring in Braxton Clark or Andre Hunt in those yeah. numbers. It's going to be with the way they want to basically line change on defense and they want to shift personnel. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they get north of that because, I mean, I haven't heard anything in the last couple of weeks that suggests that they're afraid to play young guys and especially guys that were recruited to fit their systems. So and why not, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I am I totally get what you're saying. I'm trying to think if there's any freshman that I'm surprised we haven't heard more about other than maybe Cam Cameron Jones. Jones. Yeah, Cam Jones is one. But he's been hurt a little bit, so he's been slowed because of that. We've heard about Caleb Tanner. He's a guy that I think seems like he could end up playing over – Four games. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other linebackers. I forgot to include this, but, I mean, it was one play, but David Alston made a, a big play in the scrimmage. On, there's a name I haven't heard at all. Yeah. I forgot to include that recently, but he, Alston, I mean, I don't know that he's in the mix right now. I don't think he is necessarily. BC but. fully expects David Alston to be starting outside linebacker. Oh, that's Troy. stock now. <laughs> I was looking through the list to see guys who I thought – I was attacking it from who do I think will redshirt, actually. So I guess on that list of, of guys that I think would redshirt, I'd say David Alston, Casey Rogers. You guys are going to have to help me out here. Justin McGriff. Tate Wildeman. Yeah, because of just the depth. The um, other offensive line. Farniak. Farniak, I don't think, will play. Yeah. Uh, Cam Jurgens, think he plays? I don't think. He'll go over four, not because I, I, I think he's a great talent. I just think that they have pretty good depth building there. If Stoll and Allen and Raftall can contribute, you could space that out a bit with Cam Jurgens and give him a year. But um, C.J. Smith, yeah, Cameron Jones too. I don't know. Is I mean, as much as we talked about him, and I think he can be a really good player. There's another guy you could space out your safeties a little bit if you could keep. Get play him four games and let him build himself up as a player a little bit in the system behind the scenes. Oh, uh, let's see. Those are those are the main guys that stick out to me. Legrone is interesting, um, but he's getting some little notoriety of late that he's been doing stuff. So I don't know if he'll sit either. Your number is pretty good. So that would be – when would that be at that point? But if there's 26 additions, if your number's at 11, then 15 guys redshirt. I don't know if we just named 15 people there. No, we didn't, I don't think. There's always a few more that it feels like end up doing it. Like, even if you think to the last staff, there would all – remember the, like a week or two before – was it last season when Riley's like, oh – these eight guys are probably going to play or something. Wasn't there seven or eight? And, yeah. And then, and then the, it dwindled to four. They had that, like, redshirt alert thing that they always <laughs> basically didn't send guys to the scout team until they were sure that they weren't going to need them yeah. kind of a thing. I mean, that that's an interesting conversation, though, now with the four-game rule because, I mean, you basically have to have all those guys ready to play. So you kind of almost need those extra walk-on bodies to fill out a scout team in some ways. They've got to be on the ball. we got to be on the ball. I think that's something people are going to want. You're going to have to keep track of how many games each of these guys has been in so far. Kind of write a little Should mark next to their name. Talk to the overlords at 24-7. We can have a game participation chart on the site I think, somehow. I think that's a swell idea. I think there's a way that you <laughs> could include it into the profile. Not like they've already been working on this stuff for months, and then we turn around and ask for something different, but... It, it's it's funny because sometimes those participation charts that they they hand out from games like aren't correct. Yeah, um, yeah, we've yep we've run into that, um, especially with doubled numbers. I was just thinking how great it would be if it was on the profile. It shows the red shirt initially for all freshmen, and then each subsequent game that shirt just sort of disintegrates. <laughs> and then the last one when they've clearly played five games, it's just a flame. To denote the burning of the red shirt. It's kind of like Back to the Future. Right yeah. That's yeah. all, it's all very literal. rises out of the flames. <laughs> it's all very literal. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I will pitch it, and I'm sure no one will do anything with the idea. Doesn't As mean it's has a, maybe happened before. Doesn't mean it's a bad idea. 
So we talked last week, or I talked last week with Greg Austin a little bit about the offensive line and where they're at. Have we discussed like kind of levels of concern still for position groups? I mean, kind of getting through the Kool-Aid, like the offensive line for me is still that group that I'm like, I'm not willing to believe anything that I'm told about that group until like you see them live in action against an opponent. So what level of Kool-Aid would you say is it? Is it orange, which is terrible according to you? Is it black licorice Kool-Aid, which sounds terrible to me? There's black licorice Kool-Aid? Probably. There's Kool-Aid flavors of all sorts. I just I can't imagine that kids would be clamoring for that. Some people really like that disgusting taste of black licorice. Some people really like licorice, which I think is gross, but that's a different I, I would I would say the offensive line is probably an orange level of Kool-Aid, which is among the worst that you can have because orange Kool-Aid is trash. Yeah, it's like threat level orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also I also thought about that on the way over here, too. When I wasn't t- thinking about Will Jackson, I was thinking about trash Kool-Aid, and orange was what I was thinking about. <laughs> Do you think if we get a graphic idea sent over to our graphic people at 24-7, we can get a, a, yeah. a Kool-Aid-level graphic of, like, cherry red is over-the-top, things are great, couldn't be better? And according to you, orange is... Uh, I've got a lot of reservations about what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's... It, Orange Kool-Aid is the ham of Kool-Aid, I have to say. Wow. Just throws ham under the bus now. Yeah. But, I mean, Perfectly it, <laughs> acceptable bland ham but is gets my, thrown under the bus. Is my concern misguided is my question. I don't think so. I, I think that the offensive line is going to be a big question mark until it isn't pretty much every year. And it, What makes it difficult with this staff more so than the last one is that Judging the offensive line off of the metrics of which you would normally use, like yards per carry, that sort of thing, is going to be so disjointed in a system in which their primary job is to sort of just be the body in between the ball carrier and the defender without necessarily having to drive anybody four yards down the field to create the lanes. So, it, I mean... UCF, again, didn't have a great offensive line, but they ran the ball really well because their offensive scheme set that all up, and McKenzie Milton set some of that up. So are you saying are you saying my concerns don't matter? No, the offensive I, I line think, doesn't matter? Is that I what I'm hearing? What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it's going to be really tough to judge. Like They could be the same level talent as last year where they still struggle in close situations to move people and to open up running lanes. But in most of their play call sets, they're not going to be asked to do that. And so it's just going to be like, did they get better or did the offensive scheme take advantage of the fact that they're essentially getting good at getting in the way in larger spaces of the area? I don't know if what I said made any sense to It made to sense else, to me, but, but if I was thinking while you were talking, to my, if I were to rank my top three concerns for this team, O-line would actually be number one just because you got a new quarterback, and I understand, you know, some of the some of the stuff they can be protected a little bit if they're not as good, you know, through this system. But I, it's just been so mediocre or worse than mediocre for a few years that I, I think people around here need to see a Nebraska O line where it's like on a third and two where they feel like they can pick it up, you know. And so I'll start there. Corners are number two to me on the concern list, just because. I mean, you're talking about guys who are unproven still in Jackson and Boodle, and then you're talking about basically two true freshmen who appear to be on the two deep now. And that's a lot to answer right there. And then number three, even though there's a lot of excitement for good reason about the quarterbacks, it's can they not turn the ball over? And, I mean, that's going to decide so much of this thing. And I, I think they've done some good things, but when you hear the apprehension that Frost has had about, well, the QBs aren't quite where we want them to be yet, I do think some of that is based on there's been a few picks thrown in practice. And some of that's good because it means the defense is, you know, being active and actually causing some chaos that they did a year ago. But then there's that part of the brain that's like, are we going to have another deal where they throw, you know, more than a dozen picks this season? And- I- I mean, I think you named all three of the, the primary ones that I would have come up with. Has your order changed in the last three weeks based upon what you've heard? I would have had corners as my number one concern coming into fall camp. Quarterbacks two, offensive line three. 
right now it's probably quarterbacks three, offensive line two, corners one, but I could interchange either of those. I feel better about the corners because they have different people involved than I do the offensive line. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but I feel better that Cam Taylor, even though he's a freshman, is involved and there's some excitement about what he's able to do than in running back portions of the offensive line that struggled heavily last year. I have my real apprehension, honestly, with the offensive line is at center. If Cole Conrad is the same Cole Conrad that he was in 2017, Nebraska's offensive line is markedly worse. If he is significantly better than he was in, in 2017 and the, the line play is whatever, I mean, they're going to be a better unit for it. I mean, it all, this offense can't have bad center play. It's so vitally important because of the timing of everything they're trying to do. You can't have a guy who struggles to snap the ball and then get a block, and so then his snap is low or high or to the left or to the right. It has to be consistent, and I think that's probably the biggest question I have with the line. Interesting. Matt okay. Matt Farniok has got to make a big move too. Yeah, I yeah that's, that's fair. I mean, he – it was tough last year. They're in a tough spot. I'm not pretending they weren't, but um, there's some games where I'm sure he wished that film could be burnt and burn it. Feels like you're talking about Northern Illinois against Sutton Smith. Yeah, I am. Well, over I, that's one of them. Yeah, and over. That's the main one. And over. That was a rough day at the office. And over. That was right after I wrote a big feature about him. Remember that we put on our site that ran that morning. Well, and he, he had started his first career game at Oregon and he had done okay. pretty well. Yeah. And there was some excitement about how he played. And then he ended up, what, breaking his hand in the, the Northern Illinois game? Because he, he got hurt. That's when he started wearing the cast after that. Either yeah. the hand or the wrist. Yeah. And Sutton Smith just destroyed him. Now, in fairness, Sutton Smith destroyed a lot of people last year. But nobody wants to hear that about a 206-pound Outside linebacker from Northern Illinois. He's no Dean Lowry, though. Oh, yeah, it's man. just the people from Illinois coming to Memorial Stadium just turn into superheroes. That's a podcast, too, sometime in the offseason about guys who Husker teams have made look all world over the years. Yeah. Like when they get drafted, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> a stream of Nebraska highlights playing on the NFL Network or whatever. 17 <laughs> opponents that made you cry. <laughs> By Brian Christopherson. Troy Edwards, number one. Yeah. There was a cornerback from Miami uh, the year they lost out in Miami. Had a, Kaya? Mm, he had a big pick. He might have had the game. Corn Elder. Corn Elder, yeah. Yeah, like Nebra oh, 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 Nebraska oh. made him look kind of good. I thought you said quarterback. Kane Coulter. Uh, yep. Any Northwestern quarterback in Memorial Stadium. I have something i got to get out. Kane Coulter had – had a great game against Nebraska one year. And after that, actually, Nebraska shut him down in the other games. If, I mean, Siante Evans shut him down one year in Evanston. But there's still this, like, myth around Kane Coulter that he just, like, owned Nebraska's entire career, and it's not <laughs> accurate if you go look at it. What about Jared Abadaris? Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean – I, I don't know if own this is, is a, I want to do this podcast <laughs> now. I enjoy this a lot. I don't know if own is a word, but that guy made like two or three catches every Huge year catches, that were yeah. amazing, <laughs> like in traffic. Just hauling in the terrible Joel Stave passes <laughs> that were too far out in front or behind. I mean, Z Zenner from South Dakota State, yeah, I mean, he, he could have named his number. Yeah. I thought well, he was going to go Melvin Gordon, that one, <laughs> after the first We'll quarter. never know. That's one of the great <laughs> mysteries surrounding Nebraska football. How many yards would Zenner have gone for that day? If if you were going by position, is Garrett Gilbert not the unquestioned quarterback? This is the single greatest moment of his career, and this is a guy that played in the national championship game. Winning in Lincoln? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was the best game he played by far. Yeah, I can't remember. He didn't what... have net positive yards on the ground in any other game <laughs> in his entire college career. Who, who was the Ball State quarterback? Nate Davis. Nate Davis. Oh yeah. He, he threw Reggie a... loved the receiver. Wouldn't wouldn't get on the list for dropping that pass. Nate no. Davis threw an unforgivable pick though, to a rude, I believe. Bo was it Bo Rude? Would have been Bo. Yeah. Yeah. 
brought Nebraska back. Sam Keller led a dramatic drive. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> great. File this one away for the slow period. For any yeah, time, that, really. that, that feels like a June podcast, if I ever heard one. Maybe early July. I think that would be the most popular podcast we've ever done. We could probably of... get a lot of those guys on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> They're not doing it. <laughs> hey, Garrett Gilbert. We just turned the entire month of May into bringing on people to talk about what it was like for them to torch Memorial Stadium. We could call it the misery cast. That was the best moment of my football career. They just keep repeating that, every guy. <laughs> All against Nebraska. I love playing at the Sea Red. If, if we had Garrett Gilbert in your living room to record the podcast, I think that would be peak. <laughs> right here. <laughs> That'd be great. We, we've seen some strange things. <laughs> these last 10 to 15 years i mean even good players like jamal charles the year nebraska shuts him down for three quarters and then, the and then he goes off for like more yardage than you at that time you'd seen a dude go for this was pre-melvin gordon too it was 2007 yeah, right? yeah. and nebraska actually looked like they're gonna win that stinking game under Callahan, in the midst of all the turmoil. Who is a Purdue uh, wide receiver? Oh, uh, Yancey? Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Yancey, is that yeah. his name? He torched Nebraska in every game, regardless of where it was at. He had a lot of Nebraska highlights in his draft coverage. <laughs> he deserved to. Yeah. In like 400 yards against Nebraska alone. The peak Purdue moment to me against Nebraska was the end of that terrible 55-45 game. When that running back carried a pile of like Huskers, like eight Huskers, or like little kids, like jumping on the pile, and he just keeps moving his legs like until he's 15 yards down the field. I, mean, I don't those, even know the guy's name. How many it guys just, in that pile are going to be playing defense for Nebraska this year? Quite a few. Aaron Williams, we think. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Williams was on. That was his first career start. Yeah. I think actually most of the other people would be gone. Yeah. Right? Stoltenberg, before his injury, would have played in that game, probably. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Uh, I I texted this to Brunt, so I didn't send it to you. Okay. Off the top of your head, how many sacks did Freedom have last year? One. Yeah. <laughs> I what I mean, I wrote it, like, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Thanks for reading. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. I didn't yeah. know that was the basis of your story. Yeah, it was like a thrown in there, but that's the only reason I knew that. I would have guessed probably two had I. I mean, I know they didn't have very many sacks last year, but I can't imagine there's a lot of years in Nebraska football history in which one of your starting defensive ends that plays double-digit games has one sack. He's one of your three guys, though, and you hit, I agreed with your list. Three, yeah, they can rewrite three, the narrative. Three seniors, you can change what people think. Uh, and I, I feel like Dedrick Young, out of that group, and, and Divino Zigbo probably have a little bit better opportunity than Freedom does. But uh, he's someone that people probably don't remember it now in 2018, but there was a ton of excitement about him that 2015 season. Mm-hmm. Coming over from tight end, playing defensive end, had four and a half sacks, missed some time with an injury, looked explosive. And then that version of the player has not really been around he, since. I'll tell you what, though. In 2016, he had a bunch of hurries, I think. He yeah. didn't get home, but he had a bunch of hurries. When you stand next to him, especially this year, he looks like, yeah, that that that's a problem for somebody. I mean, that's what he looks like. Well, they screwed around with his weight so much yeah. during his career, too. Where it was like... One off season, he was p- trying to put on twenty pounds. You remember what he looked like when we met him in Grandview, oh, Missouri? Yeah. yeah, he was like two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's playing tight end. Yeah, very thin. Wearing tight end. A, an Angry Bird T-shirt. Yeah, but I mean, it, that, I think that set him back a lot because it was like we need you to gain twenty pounds and we need you to lose fifteen and put that weight back on. And I mean, it, it's, I mean, that's not an excuse for him. It's, I mean, that's kind of how they were handling him, which is too bad. The first year, he just wasn't big enough for the Big Ten. I mean, he because remember, he had that, and it came easy early on. Like, he had the four sacks in the non-conference season, and so that was the biggest string of sacks he's ever had in his career here. And then it, I don't, I think he had like a half a sack the rest of the season. And I yep. think he just ran in all those 300-pound guys from Iowa and Wisconsin and can't move them. 
Yeah, well, I mean, he had gotten hurt that year, too. He missed some he weeks did. of a knee injury. He got his knee scoped in the early That's October. a story a lot of these linemen, though. We could go through all of them, and they've just – it's pretty simple, and we've discussed it before, but it's a lack – there was a lack of strength compared to the guys they're playing against, and they think they have it now. The offensive linemen talk about, yeah, we're going to move people because we're stronger and all this, but that's just where you – you can't take it with blind faith anymore. You kind of got to see it. So, with that being said, did the defensive line deserve to be more on the uh, the orange Kool Aid list? I I wouldn't put them on that with the others, but I do think there's sort of a trust there by some that I don't Maybe completely understand yet. Yeah, and that's not saying they couldn't show like four or five games in. Yeah, they're pretty good. But I think a lot of it is that deal, and this is dangerous game where you you put names on a paper and it sounds good, you know, like it. it you go. They through, have a lot of people you've heard of. Yeah, they're they're like household names in the state because they've been around a while. So you hear all these names and you're like, oh, that yeah, yeah. But then you got to ask yourself, what have these guys actually done in games yet? You know, and and a lot of them don't have that resume yet. Yeah, they're the the most impressive column is the games played column. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. What do you think about the defensive line, Browns? I'm kind of in the same group. I mean, as you guys, I think that it seems like there should be a lot of potential um, and, and potential for improvement there. But I mean, you, you kind of think back to the way things were in that second half against Wisconsin last year and the way they were kind of bullied around by Iowa and Penn State and Minnesota. Minnesota. And, you know, it's both the line. I mean, the lines, I think, are kind of in the same column. I don't. I'm, I have less concern about the defensive line because I think some of last year was on scheme uh, for sure. But, you know, that that's the other group that you, you, you don't really know what you have, I don't think, until, you know, you, you see them going against somebody else that's trying to – really block them and, and get in their way. That's probably the group where I want to see the, the rotation the most. Yeah. Maybe. Because it'll keep guys fresh. And they have so many people. And you just you kind of want to see, you know, is Ben Stilley going to go out there and take a defensive end job from Freedom and, and Carlos? Can Damian Daniels handle the load in the middle for 40 plays a game? Split that time with, with Newell and with uh, Stoltenberg. I mean, there's just – there's enough people in there that you're you're curious. You know, Dyshawn Neal, at some point are we going to see the guy that Michigan went to go recruit and really wanted and Alabama called on and all this other stuff? Or is he just going to be one of those guys that, I mean, we talk about in-state players that miss all the time. He's one of these guys that's in-state and when's he going to hit? Yeah. They, so there's – they have so many of these people that it's kind of you're, you've been waiting on. And um, when we run through the list of other positions – I think BC said it really well. Like, you tend to think, okay, the defensive line, they're solid. And then you really look into it and it's like, well, why? And and when have they proven that? And maybe we see it this year. The It'll be interesting. The, the, you mentioned kind of the line change aspect of things. Bear Rood said that at the linebacker spot the first year at UCF, it was a 60-40 split between starters and, and backups. And wow. that's kind of the more of the ideal that they want to get to at his position group. And I, I would assume that it's probably fairly similar along the defensive line, maybe a little bit more towards the starters. But you know, his, his explanation makes sense. I mean, when you're playing, you're, you're when you're a defense paired with a high tempo offense, there's the possibility that you can go three and out really fast. You're playing a ton of snaps. He was saying, I mean, even when you know UCF was playing really well. That defense was out there for 90, 95 snaps sometimes. So, you know, I, I think that defensive line group, I would say that their strength is in their depth right now because you've got – I mean, you could say that you feel pretty good about two guys at each position. Yeah, but, well, I mean, they're almost nine deep. Yeah. So I, I think that, like if I'm making that list in my mind, I think the fact that they have so many options that they can run with would, would – make the defensive line less of a concern than the offensive line for me. I think some people, and I understand this too, would put inside backers in this conversation just because, you know, there's a lot of people want to see more out of Dedrick Young. And 
Mo Berry um, still has to take that jump, and it sounds like he's had a great offseason, but now he's got to have a great fall. And then after him, you know, Will Honus, I think it, he's had to catch up a little bit to the other guys, and you hope that he can give you a lot of good snaps. The reason I'm not as down on that group, though, I love the move of Miller to the inside, of using him more on the inside, and I'm, I've kind of always been since he's joined the program there's just enough stuff here and there like he was a scout team defensive mvp his red shirt year as a defensive end then he moved outside backer last year and when he did play he always kind of flashed a little bit to me so i just think he's one of those guys that could be tough to keep off the field and if he can give them you know something sturdy in the middle there that depth at the inside linebacker spot looks a lot better in a hurry and might be one of the reasons why we were talking about Avery Roberts earlier in his situation too. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with all of that. What haven't we covered coming out of the last week? We haven't covered quarterbacks. Still waiting. No smoke. Do you so I think I know I think it's gonna be Martinez. I think BC thinks it's gonna be Martinez. You I would lean Martinez. Okay. Has there been anything that's happened in the last week that would make any of us change where we're at? Nothing I've heard. I don't – I wouldn't bet anything on it. Right, yeah. I'm not that, sitting here guaranteeing it's going to yeah, be Adrian that, I mean, that's, that's how I – I feel like from what I've gathered, we, we know Martinez has the edge with his feet. I also think Jebby is a better – I'll say this. I think Jebby is a little better runner than some people give him credit for. Um, he's not Adrian Martinez, but he's better at that than some people say. And then I think when it comes to the passing game, we like have stereotyped this thing, well, Martinez is the runner. Jebby is the guy who throws it. Like it, I've heard these opinions like, well, you could start Martinez, but if you have a two-minute drill, I bring in Jebby. It's like all this stuff – I hear stuff like this all around me, and it's like what is this based off of? We've watched like one practice – and from all I based I've, off of the spring game, yeah, which I wouldn't. Right. No, no, I get it. I, I wouldn't. It. I just don't see. Uh, I don't think the gap in the passing game from people who have seen the practices is as significant between one guy or the other, or even necessarily an advantage for yeah. the person people think it is. But the way that you describe it always leads me to think that it's Martinez because I've always sort of felt like. If it's close, it's going to be the guy that they went out and hand-picked. That's what I think, too. And so that's why. And the other thing is, if they're really betting on 2019 being the year where they want to take this thing off, and they have the opportunity to put somebody that they hand-picked in at quarterback and let them learn and go through some bumps and some some problems, that's another reason why I tend to lean towards Martinez as well. And I understand that he could play later in the year, but I, I don't – if you're going to – bank on him playing later in the year why not just play him against akron colorado and troy too the thing i don't know is and this is where i say well maybe it could be jebbia i mean maybe they took those tests and jebbia scored an 86 and you know martinez scored a 64 and maybe like when they're at practice um you know one guy is just quicker like that okay that's the call i got it and the other guy doesn't have it and also the interception total, I don't know exactly where that stands, but that's after what we saw around here last year, that's a pretty critical piece. If one guy has thrown eight more interceptions this camp than the other, which I don't know where that's at, I mean, that that's a big – that should weigh heavily. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, then we have Brunts' thoughts on the quarterback there, summed up in one word, very efficient Brunts. If he was a quarterback, there's no doubt Mario Verduzco would want his efficiency <laughs> on the uh, – it, here's on the field. It, it, to me, it comes down to I, I lean Martinez, and I the the thing that I wonder about though is, you know, it's the mistakes part of it. Yeah. Like who's who makes the fewest amount of mistakes? Like we know that Adrian Martinez gives you more in the running game as a runner. Passing, I think, is you know probably a, a push. Maybe I mean it's, I guess it's just at some point does. You know that that upside of the running game outweigh the mistakes. What does that run? Does that upside come with? Does he fumble? Right. I mean, but that's that's the thing. Is it, I, I think that they're not willing to just give it over to upside 
if there's mistakes being made that that are going to cost you football games. Yeah, but we also don't know if these mistakes are really being made. I mean, we haven't heard much uh, in terms of ball security, fumble wise, at all. Really, this camp. I mean, it seems like they haven't put the ground on, or haven't put the ball on the ground much. I know that early on, Held said that they had a few, and that was too many. But for the most part, he was really happy with where they were security wise. I don't recall Verduzco talking about fumbles. Yeah, I don't either. There was a um, Frost mentioned it on Friday that there was a a drive where they were having issues with snaps. Yeah, and that's a. I mean that. Center exchange is going to be huge. So, I, I mean, it's and, and Verduzco said that one one of the things that they were really concerned about or watching in that scrimmage was what was how those quarterbacks handled when things went wrong. If there was a, a bad play or somebody else, you know, screwed something up, mm-hmm. how, how did they kind of rebound from that? Which I mean, that that's a a good thing to know and and to value, I think, in a in a young quarterback, especially. There is kind of sometimes when it's talked about. Also, there's it's kind of always viewed. It feels like like Jebby as a junior or something. When I hear you know like well you play Jebby now and they're basically the same age. People kind of got to get over. It. And Jebby has said that himself. Like someone yeah. asked him, acting like he was a sage veteran here, and he's like, "Well, we're both freshmen, you know. <laughs> like we both have four years of eligibility right now." Yep. So, yeah, but they're they're. I think I will be surprised if Jebby is the guy named. Like, I'm not going to be – it's not one of those deals where I'm going to fall over or anything, but I, I – I You're would, not going to Jake Cotton the moment? No, I won't. That's good. But I admit, like, <laughs> if you hear that, okay, we're, they're going with Jebby, I want you to be kind of like, huh, that's Yeah, I'd be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's – good for him. That's his part I would. That, I would say good for him in my head, but I would also be like, huh, I didn't. I, After you picked yourself up off the ground. <laughs> oh, and then I, you move I'm gonna five fall, yards back. I'm going to fall just like Cotton did, too. Just gen- <laughs> gently. Just right Slowly. Back. I'm telling you guys, there hasn't been a time where I've seen that video and haven't laughed in the, the four some years of since that play. Anytime I come across it, it always makes me laugh. Like it, it's amazing. It and is. when it's slowed down, it's even funnier. It's part of Husker lore. It's incredible. By the way, Friday is your opportunity to be the first to pose a question to Frost so you can win the bet. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Scott, I know you probably don't want to name it right now and give it away to the Akron Do at this it. point. <laughs> Does it start with a G? <laughs> I mean, I think I'm going to pass on that. But yeah, uh, I, I don't advise doing we'll, that. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> We don't want to end this podcast without getting into something of huge importance. Brunt's received a request last night. Oh, yeah. I'm there sure. are people who want to know your thoughts. And only uh, your as thoughts. As a former Runza employee, which yeah. I think is where it comes I from. I think so, yeah. How would you feel if the company went in the direction of adding breakfast and made breakfast Brunza's? I'm okay with it if it doesn't dip into their uh, solid onion ring production because as a former employee, you used to show up in the morning. You you know, it's not like you just show up at eleven when the doors open. Really, you gotta you gotta get in there at. But everything's made fresh. Those runzas don't make themselves. Is that what well, you're saying? Well, those onion rings. There's a lot of effort put into the rings. Really? I used to, I used to do a lot of behind the scenes work with the rings, and that's a process like. If you're on the clock for onion rings back in my day, it started at like 6 or 7 a.m. as I remember it. So what – okay, walk us through the onion ring production here if you can uh, you're remember. Just, there's like a big thing of batter and you're just – you have to like make sure you put it – you dip the ring in enough of the batter that it's really covered breaded-wise and then that that's it basically, well, but – do you find yourself being an onion ring elitist now as you go through life? Like you go to a sports bar and you order some onion rings and maybe they're a little weak on the batter or it's not, you know, crisp enough? Maybe a little bit. I do think Runza has really good onion rings. And paid, this podcast paid is announcement. Amazing. This podcast <laughs> is absolutely amazing. Like seriously getting Brian to break down onion but rings. But you know something? The onion dip price has gotten a little out of hand. I don't want to cause a ruckus. But I, I didn't use, I think back in the late 90s when I was rolling with Ronza, 
it was like 29 cents or something like that. And I, I don't know what it is now, but it's, it's, it's moved up quite higher a bit. than 29 cents. Yeah. But, but back the un- to the breakfast runs us. Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, how, how do you, yeah, would what? you, would you be okay if Runza, who notoriously has said that they don't want to do breakfast? Is this like a real, like, idea? It's a up? scenario. Oh, okay. I'm actually, the, as I think about it, I'm actually surprised in this market, the way people love Runza, that they haven't done it yet. But there's probably a good reason for it. Does a breakfast Runza sound appealing to you? I could I could get behind a breakfast I runza. Would, yeah, I'd give it a few shots. Less cabbage though. Uh, no cabbage, right? Like you, you, you're talking sausage, eggs, cheese. You don't eat cabbage. What's cabbage? So wait, do that? so essentially, what you've made is like a hot pocket. I mean, oh, ca- cabbage is kind of the point of right. runza. So you're you're still gonna do cabbage in a breakfast runza? Sorry. Uh, well, you have to. I mean, otherwise, it's just like a crappy like breakfast hot pocket. Right, that's. I think that's how the rest of the world views a runza. But it's the ca- it's it's got like its roots in like the German mm-hmm. American experience. Yeah, the whole point of the runza is being able to tell someone who's not from here that there's cabbage in it, and seeing their reaction like that must be disgusting, you know. And it's like, oh, you got to try it, and then. You know, Nebraskans really want to please outsiders, so there's like always that hope. Like you, you liked it, didn't you? Didn't you? You know, that's how we are. <laughs> I would. I suspect. mean, it's like we get all excited because Peyton Manning used to say Omaha on an audible. We get so fired up about. You can stuff still like. buy those damn T-shirts at the <laughs> Omaha airport, by the way. Yeah, I don't think still. I don't know if we all got excited. I think Someday. a city. To the east of us, <laughs> separate. Did. I'm an Omaha native, so I feel oh, like I'm still kind of tied maybe, to it. Maybe you. I've got, you my, get, I've got my Omaha Omaha back tat. So, is your Christmas gift? Yeah, 2013. Yeah. Do, do you do this in your family? My family in Omaha calls Nebraska Furniture Mart is always just simply Nebraska. No. Oh, and our family is Nebraska. But, but we're not. My family's not native. So okay. Like if if my mom saw is like yeah we went to Nebraska, it's you don't need an explanation. That's wild. I always went with the Mart. Yeah, I hear the the Mart more than anything else. This is like the, this is like Omaha's version of or uh, pop or soda. I think maybe. I got a bill from them in an email one time, and it came in as like www.nfm.com, and I was like, what is this site? And why do I owe him money? What did I get signed up for? What is this? And they realize this is Nebraska first. You got part. signed up for Nebraska. Yeah, apparently. The whole state. In summary, though, I would be in favor of the breakfast runza if it does not cut into the quality rings. with the rings and preparation of other things that they've made their name on. What time would you have to start making the breakfast runzas to be ready for a 7 a.m. breakfast? I'd see it. That might be why we haven't seen it yet. It's like Krispy Kreme. It's just around the clock. You'd have to, you'd have to close like it Like, how up. long does the standard runza take to make? You'd have to have little cots in the back for your people. <laughs> Go sit down. Maybe a shower to get that runza smell out of you for a little bit, then come back. <laughs> uh, you'd like fire to get that out, don't you? <laughs> yeah. We've discovered the, uh, the issue. I had a shirt for two years the one of those green shirts back in the day they were green and i didn't wash it hardly ever because it was just like i'm going to work what do i care and that thing just you it should have been burnt like after like a couple months but i would roll in smelling like onion rings and runs from like two months ago stinky bc yeah Old stinky Frank BC. All right. Next week, <laughs> when we return, it'll be game week. And you know what that means, Brunts? Hypecast? That means it'll be the second ever Husker Hypecast following the spring game, right? Yes. Uh, we also have yet to make season predictions, which we could get into a little bit next week. Yeah. If you wanted well, to. the season does start. Yes. Mm-hmm. We will do that for the... Uh, for the actual podcast, for the hype cast, we'll be hyping. We'll be hyped. It won't be any orange Kool Aid or black licorice Kool Aid during the hype cast. Hyped like flavor flavor. Cherry Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. We're gonna break down Akron like nobody's ever. Yeah. 
Do you even know who Akron's head coach is? It's one of the Bowdens. Yeah, Terry. <laughs> I, I knew who it was, but I wasn't just testing us. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're threatening to break down Akron the way that nobody ever has before. I just think that somebody needs a very exhaustive breakdown of Akron football. You know, that's fair. I suppose that's why the Husker hype cast exists, so we can provide breakdowns for people who don't want to do the research themselves. I mean, that's that's really why we're here. Anything else we need to add? I can't think of anything, BC. I've, I've said all I need to say about onion rings and <laughs> breakfast runzas and an offensive line play. Golf. Yeah, we did get into football. There was a little For a healthy Scrambles. Amount. Yep. We got into, there's a lot. There, there was a lot that happened. We tried our best. There, you know, we always <laughs> try our best, and you can see some of our best at Husker247sports.com. And that's where you can get all of the info from practices and a bunch of other things. Recruiting, which we didn't get into this week, but there's not a lot going on. And I will certainly have official visitors for you next week. You can catch all of that. And as always, we'll be back next week with two podcasts. Two. With the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. <laughs>